So let's get into Daniel 6. If you can put up with me just kind of, you know, doing all this, you'll be okay. And, uh, but we'll, we'll be covering. In fact, today's called uh, Simply Mind-Blowing is the title. And we're going to be looking at what Daniel's doing and really what's happening in uh, Daniel's life at this moment. But you're going to see there's so many practical things that we can really apply to ourselves and we can walk away with today. Uh, if you're new with us, let me catch you up real quick. I, obviously, it would be very brief and very quick, but uh, let me just share where we're at. So if you know anything about the book of Daniel, Daniel falls in. Uh, now, your Bibles, again, it's not chronological, but if you were to read the book of Daniel, it falls in the time where the Jews are, are, are captive for 70 years. 70 years are held captive. And they're held captive in many nations because uh, one nation ruled for such a time and then another nation came and took over that. And so they stayed in captivity to all these different nations. So we're at the point in time where Daniel uh, and the Jews, they were living in Israel, they were living in uh, Jerusalem and all the different cities that they lived in. And Babylon came and seized them, took them captive and took anything valuable they put into their treasuries and anything else was destroyed. So Daniel's home, uh, many of Daniel's sayings would have been destroyed, but Daniel and his family and his friends and all of those were taken captive into Babylon and they were now serving Babylon as servants uh, to that nation. And so Daniel uh, had the privilege of being chosen to serve the king. And so he served King Nebuchadnezzar and there were many other kings along the way. Uh, but uh, we know if you were here with us the last few weeks, uh, Babylon fell because of pride. And so King Nebuchadnezzar, King Belshazzar, and there was a couple other kings in between there, uh, pride really destroyed the nation of Babylon. So uh, we ended last week, really that's where we were, is that uh, Belshazzar had, had uh, been slain and they took him out. And uh, now today we're going to share the, the Medes came and took over. And so now Babylon has fallen. The, the nation of Babylon itself is being taken over. And this was part of the interpretation of the dream that Daniel gave Nebuchadnezzar years before uh, that uh, Babylon was the strongest nation. It was the most powerful. It was the most elaborate nation. Uh, but they would be taken over by a smaller nation, a, a lesser in power nation. And that would be the Medes and the Persians. And that's what you're seeing today. You're going to see that King Darius is now the new king. And uh, that's really where I want to start today is uh, Daniel. And remember that the Jews are, uh, they're captive to all these nations. And they just keep going from acquisition to acquisition. But they're still captive to all these nations. So now they're moving from captives of Babylon now to the captives of the Medes. And King Darius is their king. And, uh, and you'll see later that the Persians, uh, they come together and there's kind of like dual leadership or dual uh, kingship in, in this country at this time. So that's kind of where we are. So Daniel chapter six, let's kind of get an introduction. Let's kind of see who King Darius is. Uh, but uh, King Darius uh, is really impressed with Daniel. Uh, and you're gonna see that as we read through chapter six today. But uh, verse one of chapter six says this. Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces and appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interest. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administration and high offices. Uh, because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. And so that says a lot about Daniel. This says a lot about uh, Darius's respect for Daniel, but, uh, but King Darius would have known many things. Uh, first and foremost, uh, King Darius would have known, uh, obviously, about Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar. He would have known uh, that Babylon is, was a great nation. They obviously took over Babylon, but they would have known about all of these. Uh, they, maybe they weren't there, but they would have heard about the furnace. 
They would have heard about God showing up and rescuing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They would have heard about the writing on the wall that took Belshazzar out. They would have heard about uh, the dreams and the interpretations of dreams, or they would have uh, at least known about those things. So uh, King Darius had a very high respect for Daniel, uh, but as well, I would just want you to see how faithful Daniel was along the process. And I think if we could walk away with anything out of Daniel today, uh, this would be one of them, is regardless of how... Uh, wherever Daniel was in situation, he was faithful to God and he was consistent. And because of that, he worked hard, he was respectful, he honored authority, uh, but he also remained true to God and true to his relationship with the Lord. And because of that, he was promoted many, many times. And it didn't matter what king was in charge, they all respected Daniel and they respected uh, really his relationship with God. And they knew that Daniel would be a man of character, they knew that Daniel would be a man of integrity, and he would be someone that is uh, consistent or constant, even in the worst of worst of situations. And so uh, I love this about Daniel, and I think this really speaks to us. Uh, you know, if we could, if we could uh, remember anything, uh, Matthew chapter 6, says this. This is one of our, uh, our theme or heart scriptures as a church. It's part of our DNA. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Uh, and let me just end there. He'll he takes care of the rest. Our focus needs to be seek first the kingdom of God. And this is what Daniel has done all of his life and his righteousness. Put his principles, his values, his teachings, his truth, making sure that that's our heartbeat as well. And God takes care of all of our other needs. And it's not even about our needs. It's about situations, circumstances. And let's just put this in perspective. Daniel was living in an unfair time. I mean, think about it. It would be like us living here in America, and we have our lives, we have our homes, we have our families, we have our friends, we have our jobs, we have all the comforts of everything that we love and embrace. Imagine a, a nation coming in and taking everything that you know away, putting you in captivity, and you having to live under that type of rulership. Uh, that's the life of Daniel. But he still, even in that situation, has remained constant in his faith, and his relationship with God, and his character, and his integrity. He's not one that's uh, complaining or saying uh, it's his fault or his fault or her fault. He's living faithfully in the front of uh, some of the greatest people on the earth as far as power and influence, and those are the kings. And so he's earned his respect, not only because of his character, but he's earned his respect because God has used him mightily to show himself to many kings, Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, uh, now Darius, he has been faithful to show the one true God in every situation. So, uh, so Daniel has been promoted. So now you're seeing a change in the nation of uh, what was now Babylon, which is now the Medes. You're seeing this uh, shift. So first Darius takes what was government in Babylon and changes it into uh, the way they rule. Uh, so anytime there's a shift of kings or nations, there's going to be a shift of how they do things and how they rule. So he's literally broken down Neo-Babylon or, or the, the nation that they just took over into 120 provinces. So uh, think about it as kind of like our townships or counties that we have here. He's broken them down into 120 different spots and he's placed uh, officials over each of those. And Daniel is one of the people that's over all of those officials. Uh, so that's kind of where we're at. And, uh, but that's, that's kind of the, uh, the good thing of how they've changed things. But as you know, with the statue, Babylon was a much stronger nation, a more uh, very powerful nation. And the, the next piece was uh, the, the, uh, the breast and the arms of silver of this statue. And that would be the Medes and the Persians. And part of that interpretation is there would be 
dual leadership, dual power. The Medes and the Persians, and not quite as strong as Babylon, but powerful, less than Babylon. And this is what you're seeing. Uh, part of the breakdown of the Medes and the Persians is that there is a, uh, and plurality of leadership is, go- is good, that's a good thing, but when there's uh, really disunity in leadership, that's a bad thing. And so now you have 120 different uh, you know, leaders and governors and officials and all these different things, and King Darius is over all of those. And so that's kind of the structure and the change that they've got there uh, when Daniel's in power. Uh, so now we start to see uh, some things happening. So remember, Daniel is over all of these 120 officials, and uh, something happens very quickly. Uh, if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, you'll be able to answer this uh, pretty easily. But if not, don't, don't worry. You can, you can catch up or jump in or you'll hear. What was the one thing that destroyed Babylon? Pride. And it's interesting to see very early in King Darius's reign and in the Medes' reign, you see pride very quickly. So it almost transfers from Babylon to the Medes and Persians. And this is going to be a pattern that you're going to see uh, not only today in our world, but you're going to see this in, uh, in this nation, that pride is still uh, a major influence in what they do. In fact, uh, all of the, the 120 governors and officials get jealous over Daniel. Uh, they have this moment of jealousy. And I just want you to know, jealousy is pride, right? Jealousy, uh, if it turns into something where it's a, a negative or an evil thing, uh, it becomes pride because you don't like it, so you want to change it, so you do something deceptive to get your way, and this is really what happens, right? God can be jealous over our decisions not to worship him, uh, but he doesn't make you conform, uh, and this is what's happening here, is they want to make Daniel conform to their jealousy and their pride, and so here's, where, uh, here's what's happening in Daniel 6. Uh, this is really uh, kind of the meeting of the minds, and here's what happens. Starting in verse 7, it says, we're all in agreement We, the administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into a den of lions. And now you, your majesty, issue and sign this law so it cannot be changed, an official law of the Medes and the Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed it into law. This sounds pretty familiar to Babylon, doesn't it? A lot of decrees and a lot of laws uh, when you don't like something to get your way. So here's all the officials of these 120 uh, different providences. They really don't like that Daniel's over them. They really don't like that there's a Jewish guy that's over them. Uh, They're jealous of him and they want it to change. Now, the decree sounds great. It sounds like it's a, a... uh, it's a whole thing for the Medes that every, every person in the medium empire needs to worship the king. And again, what are they, what are they tying to? They're looking to pride, right? They're trying to get uh, King Darius to say, hey, look, they should be worshiping you. And for the next 30 days, we're going to strictly enforce if they don't worship you and they worship anything divine or human, they're going to be thrown into the lion's den. Now, we live in America. Imagine this. Imagine if, uh, you know, our president gave a decree that would be strictly enforced. Uh, and I say strictly. There's no way possible in 30 days that you can make something happen across all America where all the law enforcement, where every person would strictly enforce this one decree. It would be impossible to happen in 30 days. But really what they're doing is they're saying, we just want to focus on one person, really. We really just want to focus on Daniel. But we're going to make it look like this whole nationwide thing. But at the end of the day, you're going to sign this into law, and we're just going to watch this one guy. 
And so this is really what's happening, is that they're jealous of Daniel, and the only way that they can get Daniel out of power is to make the king make some, is to deceive him and trick him into signing some decree or law that would affect the whole nation, but really they'd only enforce it when it came to Daniel. Uh, and so it's very clear that the scriptures show this is all about getting rid of Daniel. So again, pride is wrapped into everything they're doing. They're jealous. They're, they're actually appeasing the king's pride. Everyone should be worshiping you, king. Your majesty, they all should be worshiping you. Of course they should. If, if they worship anything else, divine or human, that's it. We're throwing them in the lion's den. Only you, king, deserve to be worshiped. They're speaking to his ego and to his pride. And so again, we see this transfer from Babylon to Medes. The same thing that destroyed Babylon is now being spoken into the Medes. And you'll see uh, that that continues and that will eventually destroy them as well. So we see this change of king. We see this change in government. And now we see leaders being successful to plot a plot of jealousy against Daniel. And so uh, again, the plot is, is if he doesn't worship you, he's thrown into lion's den. Look at uh, Daniel chapter 6, verse 10 through 14. Uh, this is the plot really just uh, being played out. And here's what it says. It says, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home, knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his windows open towards Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to God. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying, surprise, and asking for God's help. So they went straight to the king and reminded him about this law. Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days, any person who prays or anyone divine or human except you, your majesty, will be thrown into the lion's den? Yes, the king replied. Well, that decision stands. It is the official law of the Medes and the Persians that cannot be revoked. Then, the, then they told the king that the man Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled, and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. Now, in, because of the change in government, you've got to realize one thing, that the Medes and the Persians, one of the things that they, uh, that they stood on is any decree or any law that was signed by the king was irrevocable. You couldn't change it. Now, in King Nebuchadnezzar's day, if, if he didn't like something, he could change it on his own. But when you have a whole bunch of, of, of officials and governments and, and satraps, when they all agree on one law and the king signs off on it, it was very important that that was irrevocable, that they had to enforce what was signed. And so for King Darius, he realized that he'd been trapped. He realized that this had been done out of deception and was upset. He, actually, he respected and honored Daniel. But there's no way for him to reverse this. And they, I love how they reminded him, you signed it, king. This is irreversible. Now, this is one of the weaknesses of the Medes and the Persians. Uh, but notice how quickly it went from Medes to Medes and Persians. Uh, already you're seeing that dual arm leadership already happen uh, in this kingdom. Uh, but this is the trap. This is the jealousy. They purposely trapped Daniel, knowing that he was a man of character, knowing that he was a man of integrity. He was somebody that would pray every single day. In fact, this was... Uh, one of the principles, in fact, this is one of the important things for Daniel, his relationship to God was that he prayed three times a day. David would say this uh, in the Psalms. He says, we pray in the morning, in the afternoon, and at night. And when you pray, you pray facing Jerusalem because that's where the God of Israel at that time was. He lived in the temple. So they'd always pray towards Jerusalem. And so, so Daniel would have followed, continued this principle, not out of ritual, 
not out of legalistic. Notice what it says. He did it because he wanted to meet with God. He was in the presence of God. He prayed. He had a relationship with God, and he loved these moments of prayer where he could stand and talk to God. And he did this regularly, as usual, is what the scriptures say. And so they trap him. They catch him praying, and they bring it to King Darius, and there's no irrevoking what he just signed. And so Daniel has to be thrown into the lion's den. Now, if you're like me, you're asking, well, what happened to the furnace? Because we already know God showed up in the furnace. He could do it again. What happened to the furnace? Well, it's interesting if you do any study about the Medes. uh, They uh, have the same philosophy as Babylon, which means they have a lot of false gods. They worship a lot of gods. uh, But it's a little bit different in philosophy. Uh, They had uh, actually one of the gods that they worship was called the god of fire, the god of Atar. And so for them to take a criminal, which is what they were basically saying to Daniel, that he's a criminal because he broke the law, to take a criminal and throw him into the furnace when we worship the God of fire would have seemed sacrilegious. So I don't know if that's why they don't do the furnace anymore. Obviously, when you have a different king in a different nation, they rule differently, they, they uh, persecute differently. Uh, but for whatever reason, they don't use the furnace anymore, probably because they have the false God of Atar. Uh, but they use now a lion's den, which, I don't know about you, that doesn't seem very fair either. <laughs> you know, just throw them to a bunch of hungry lions and have at it. We'll see what happens. Uh, but that's kind of how they, they took care of criminals. Now, there's a lot of parallels here to Jesus, isn't there? And that's what I love about the Bible is it always points to the Messiah. There's always symbols. There's always things that happen in Daniel's life that point to Jesus. Think about it. He's been tricked and deceived by the government that he's guilty when he was actually innocent. That's the same, same as true with Jesus, wasn't it? There's all these false trials, all these things that happened, and he needed to be crucified. For Daniel, he was worshiping the one true God, but because there was deception and lies and a decree that was set up, it was, a, it was a plot only for Daniel. And so he was mistakenly charged as well because he prayed to God. And he needed to be thrown in the lion's den. Again, unfair, not right. You know, I'm so thankful that the Bible, I mean, think about it. If, if you were God, and I'm not saying this in a negative way, but if you were God and I were God, I probably wouldn't put that in there. I probably wouldn't put all these bad situations in there. But I'm so thankful that the scripture, the good, the bad, and everything in between is in there. It's there to help us. And Daniel, Daniel's remained constant. He's remained faithful. He's been a man of character. He stayed consistent, even in the worst of worst moments. And if I could encourage us again and challenge us again, Look, it doesn't matter what's happening in your life. It doesn't matter what the enemy's throwing at you. It doesn't matter what's happening in your workplace or in your families. We've got to stay faithful to the Lord. We've got to continue to pray. I don't care. It doesn't matter what happens in your life or in this country that we live in or whatever happens a decade from now. If they say you can't pray, who are you going to obey, man or God? They were telling Daniel, you can't pray to God. 
And Daniel wasn't being disrespectful about it. He wasn't being boastful about it. He was in his place, in his room, praying to God because that's what he does. That's who he worships. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's all he was doing. He wasn't throwing it in their face. He wasn't cursing at them. He wasn't pointing the finger at them. He was just remaining faithful to his relationship with the Lord. You see, I think that means more than anything to us. Look, at the end of the day, we live in the world but not of the world. You know, the staff is going to do a series coming up about living in the world and not of the world and what that looks like. But sometimes the world isn't going to choose Jesus. It doesn't mean that because they don't choose Jesus, we don't choose Jesus. And sometimes they're going to want to force you or they're going to manipulate or deceive or lie because... And remember, we're not fighting against people. We're fighting against the enemy himself. And the enemy himself is the accuser of the brethren. So guess what? He's going to accuse you something, sometime in your life, and it's not going to be true. And he's purposely going to lie and deceive and bend and twist and put pressure on you not to worship Jesus. So the question is, is what's your choice going to be? You see, I think you've got to make it now. I think we've got to have principles and practices and, and things in our life that when times get tough, our faith doesn't change. When times are good, our faith doesn't change. When times are in the middle, our faith doesn't change. It is the same whether we're in bad times, good times, or in the middle. It's the same. And I love this about Daniel. This is what you see in Daniel. Now, I pray we never are standing over a furnace getting ready to get pushed in. But if that is the case... What's your choice? Are you going to bend at the knee and worship the idol? Are you going to stop praying because they tell you to stop praying? Or are you going to remain faithful to God? It's an important decision that we need to make, and I'm so thankful that we have stories like Daniel. Look, isn't it crazy that some of the things that are happening in Daniel's life are happening today as well? We have people or an enemy that's telling us you can't pray particularly in your workplaces or schools, yes, you can. Yes, you can. And if it ever comes down to where you can't pray at all or else, are you going to choose the or else or are you going to choose to be faithful? Are you going to choose to be faithful in whatever the or else may be or are you going to bend at the pressure? You see, these are good questions and I'm thankful that Daniel brings them up to us and I'm thankful that he's an example I know he wasn't perfect, and we're not either, but let's, let's choose today. Let's ask God, Holy Spirit, what am I going to do? Because you say it's going to get worse before you come again, but the truth is you'll come again. But in that, time, in that frame, it's, it's going to get worse. But I trust you. I'm going to stay faithful to you. And Daniel's a great example of that. So we talked about the furnace. We talked about uh, here's, a, here's, another, here's another shadow or symbol. Look at verse uh, 17. And remember, this is all a plot. The jealousy. And let's read verses 10 through 14. Did I read those already? I did. Well, we won't read it again. Look at verse 17. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of the Lord's, and the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. So think about this symbolism. 
So not only was Daniel falsely accused, not only was he deceived, not only was uh, the king deceived, and not only was all these things, but he was accused of being guilty when he's innocent. But then they throw him in the, king's, uh, in the lion's den, and what do they do? They roll a stone over the hole. Does that sound familiar to anything to you? When Jesus was crucified, where did they put him? In a tomb, and what did they do? They covered it with a stone. Look how everything points to Christ. And not only did they put the stone in front of it, but in Daniel's, I know this is a little bit different, but really the, the principle is the same. They put the stone over it, and then they sealed it. They sealed it with the royal seal. Why? First of all, because King Darius didn't like what happened. So in order to make sure that nothing was taken out of the lion's den, they sealed it. And, and uh, in those days, they would seal things with wax, and they'd put a seal on it, uh, like if you sent a, a decree and you sent it in letter form, and you sent it to your, your townspeople, it would be sealed with a wax seal and have the king's symbol on there. And if that was, obviously, if it, if it had been broken, it had been tampered with. And so in the same way, the tomb was sealed, and it had the king's seal on it, knowing that if there was any crack or if this, if this stone was moved, they'd be able to tell that there was some tampering, that somebody did something to change the situation. So they made sure they sealed it. They made sure it was sealed so nobody could change what the official decree was. Well, guess what? When Jesus was crucified and went into the tomb for three days and they put a stone on it, what was his seal? They threw some guards right in front of the, right in front of the stone. Why? So nobody could change. Nobody could change except for God what had just happened. And we all know what happened. Jesus rose from the grave and the stone went flying and the people fell on the ground. Miraculous. Well, this isn't any different. This was miraculous too. Daniel was thrown in the lion's den. The stone was rolled over. It was sealed. And watch what happens. This is simply mind-blowing what happens. Mind-blowing. Not only mind-blowing when Jesus rose from the grave, but look at what happens with Daniel. Verse 18 through 24. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. They refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. Very early the next morning, the king got up hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you served so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so they would not hurt me. For I have found, I have been found innocent in his sight and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him. And he had trusted his God. Now listen to this. Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. He had them thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. And the lions leaped on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. Now I think that's unfair. They could have just thrown the guys in. But, you know, the kids and the wives, everybody went in the lion's den. I'm thankful we live in America. That doesn't happen here. But this is what kings do sometimes. This is what dictatorship can do. Wouldn't you love to have been there when Daniel was in there, though? I mean, thank you. I could just picture it. I just like we're, they throw him down, and he's sitting there. And they roll the stone away. I can just imagine Darius going, Daniel, did your God save you? And he's petting the cats, you know, he's petting the lions. <laughs> I just, I just think, I don't know if that's what happened, but I think they'd be cool, cool, just cuddling. 
Hey, Peaches, how you doing, Peaches? You know, yeah. I've been amazing. But they lift them out, not a scratch, not a scratch. I love that when God does miracles, it's the full miracle. Not a scratch, nothing happened at all. And I, I, I love the way Daniel spoke, and I love the way King Darius spoke. I mean, think about this. This is what's mind-blowing to me. First of all, the king of the Medes, when all of this happened, and the chaos happened, the lies of the deception, listen to what the king said. The king had an expectation that God would save Daniel. Yet he worshiped all these other false gods. But I'm telling you, he's heard the stories of what God's done in Daniel's life and in Babylon. He's heard the stories. And he had full expectation that the God that Daniel worshiped would rescue him from, from the lion's dead. Full expectation. And this is a guy that doesn't know God. Why don't we have that kind of expectation? It's a good question, isn't it? What's our expectation of God? This guy doesn't even worship the God that we worship, and he has more expectation than us. I think this is a good challenge of our faith. We should be expecting more because our God is above everything. He's so great. His majesty is so, everything about him is so powerful. Every Sunday, every day, but especially when we come to gather together and worship the one true God, we should come with so much expectation, God. I'm coming. I know you're going to speak. I know you're going to help me. I know you're going to bless me. Maybe it's a lion's den. Maybe it's a furnace. Maybe it's an answer to prayer. Maybe it's a vision. Maybe it's a simple prayer. It doesn't matter. We come with an expectation to say, God, we come to worship you and we thank you. We know you're going to hear us and answer us. That's the expectation the king had. That's the expectation we should have as well. And I love uh, some other things that happened with King Darius. Not only did he have that expectation, but think, what did he do? He fasted. Those religions don't fast. (laughs) Buddhism, Hinduism, they have multi-gods. They don't fast. Maybe they don't eat certain things, but they don't fast. There's only a few religions that, that talk about fasting. Judaism, Christianity, Islam, but it's very, very controlled, fasting. But he decides, hey, I see how you live and how you worship. And when moments like this happen, you fast and you pray. That's what he did for the furnace. That's what Daniel did for the furnace, didn't he? So King Darius says, I'm fasting for you, Daniel. Praying for you, Daniel. I'm bothered. Look, I don't even want, I don't know what his entertainment was. Can you imagine what the king's entertainment was? I don't know what it was. But he said, look, I don't want any of that today. I'm so bothered, I'm so disturbed at what happened. Cancel it all. I'm just gonna fast, I'm just gonna pray. And he couldn't sleep. And then in the morning, he hightails it to the lion's den. Daniel, Daniel, did your God save you? Think about the words that he just said. He was expecting Daniel to answer. Did God save you? And Daniel looks up and says, long live the king. He's respectful to his authority, even though his authority threw him in the den. Now, he knows Darius had nothing to do with that. Long live the king. My God sent his angels to protect me, to save me, to deliver me. And they pull him out of the den. And I love what else Daniel said. They found me guilty, but my God has found me innocent. 
And this is another principle that we need to put in our hearts. Listen, it doesn't matter what people say about you. It doesn't matter what the enemy says about you. It doesn't matter what other people, that post, that blog, that tweet. It doesn't matter what people say about you. If you know what's true, what God's saying about you, and what you've done and decisions you've made. Look, people are going to say things all the time. But if you know what God's doing in you and you know what you did was true and right, he also knows. And so even though everybody may be saying, you're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty, you and I can stand in full assurance to say, my God knows I'm innocent. Throw me in the den, it's okay. Jesus, notice he didn't sit there and fight and quarrel and say terrible things. He was silent and went to the cross respectfully, knowing that God would answer. Daniel, knowing that God would answer. And I love what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, even if God doesn't answer, I'm going to worship him and not bend at what you people say. Because my God knows what's right, my God knows what's true, and I'm okay with that. And so today, look, I'm telling you as a follower of Christ, as a believer, the enemy is going to say things about you that aren't true, that are hurtful, that are lies, that are wrong. That is not going to change until we spend eternity with Jesus. Someday he'll be thrown into the pit and you won't hear that stuff anymore. But until then, know that God's for you. He's not against you. Until then, know that what he's saying, he's a liar. And he's an accuser of the brethren. He's an accuser of you. He's going to accuse you all the time. It may seem like a person doing that to you, but it's him. It's him influencing people to do things, and unfortunately, they're choosing that influence. But no, it's not about flesh and blood. It's about the accuser that's trying to take your identity away, to try to get you away from God. Stand firm. Look, people will say things. They said things to Daniel. They said things to Jesus. But know that God knows what is right and is true. And I love that Daniel said, look, they, they said I was guilty, but my God said I was innocent because I'm here. And me and Peaches, man, we're good friends. They yank him out of there. And they, I, they throw all the accusers in. And they don't even hit the ground. And the lions devour them before they even hit the ground. So it goes to show you that a miracle happened. The same lions that were kind and good with Daniel just devoured the, the accusers that put him in the den. Mind-blowing, isn't it? It's simply mind-blowing. When God speaks and when God shows up, it is always, we can't answer how God does it. We're just so thankful we worship the one true God. And guess what? King Darius had the same response as all the other kings before. So what does he do? What do you think he does? Time for a new decree. <laughs> Time for a new decree. Because God just saved Daniel, we're going to make a new decree. Now, I, I, honestly, this is probably one of the best decrees that I've heard, but you can't force people to worship God. You can't force people to worship God. And God doesn't force you to worship him either. But here's what he says. But I want you to listen to this decree because it, it is true. It's very, there's a lot of truth in here. King Darius, uh, verse 25 through 28 of chapter 6. Then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race, nation, and language throughout the world. 
peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. For he, listen to the truth, he is the living God and will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed. His rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He's rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Listen to some of these words. Now, think about what you know about Jesus. Listen to this. For he is the living God. Is Jesus the living God? Yes, he is. Will he endure forever? Yes, yes he will. Will his kingdom, ever be, his kingdom will never be destroyed. Is that true? Yes. Will his rule never end? Yes. Does he rescue and save his people? Does he perform miracles and signs and wonders in heaven and on earth? This comes from a king that does not worship God. I love the decree. Again, you can't make people believe that, but I love how much truth is in there. I love how much truth is in here. And look, Jesus hasn't even come yet. But he recognizes the God that saved Daniel His kingdom will live forever. His rule will be forever. He saves and delivers his people. This is the God that I'm so thankful that Jesus is our Savior. I'm so thankful that Jesus is the one that will come and rule forever. He will come and judge everything. This is who Darius is talking about. This is who Daniel worshipped. And this is who we worship. You know, the next few chapters of Daniel are remarkable. Probably the deepest, and this is why I struggle teaching Daniel, because these are probably some of the deepest books and chapters that you'll read in the Bible. Prophecies, uh, through chapters 7 through 12, that'll just, they're just mind-boggling. Some of them are uh, prophetic in history that we can see and look back and say, yes, that did happen exactly as Daniel said, and some of them are yet to come. Daniel prophesied to the year that Jesus would be crucified. Daniel prophesied about all the different kingdoms that would rule up to the Messiah. He even prophesied the tribulation. And that's all to come. In fact, chapter 7 talks about the four beasts. You ready? You want to talk about those? Next week, we'll talk about them, all right? You go home, you read about them, you get ready. We'll talk about them next week. Uh, I think that's enough for today. I can't take any more. But I'm so thankful that Daniel is such a good, and you know what? He's just like us. He's just like us. You know what? The difference between Daniel and most people are is he chooses to worship God. And I love that it's not complex. There's not, I mean, in reading Daniel, it's not like there's 25 hoops that you got to jump through. All Daniel did was pray, And I I say all, but this is the most powerful thing you can do is talk to God, meet with him regularly, have great expectation, and keep him first in your life. That's it. So simple. I love how simple that is, but how powerful it is in Daniel's life. And the same is true for us, guys. Daniel is no different. This is thousands of years ago, yet the same principles are true today. You keep seeking God. Another great scripture in Isaiah. You keep seeking him and you'll find him. 
Jesus came and tore the veil so you can have an intimate relationship with him regularly, every day, every moment of the day. You can pray whenever you want. Look, morning, noon, night, that's fine. How about the whole day? That's fine. God wants a relationship with you. The point is to choose to have a relationship with him. Choose to pray. Choose to talk. Choose to listen. Seek his kingdom first and his righteousness. You know, this is what I love about when we talk about tithing. Sometimes when the church talks about tithing, you get all furled up. But listen, if God's first in everything, of course he's going to be first in my finances. Of course he's going to be first in my time. Of course the Sabbath is going to be a blessing. Look, these aren't rules or regulations that you have to follow. This is life, and it's a blessing, and it's abundant. We're not, we're not teaching you these things first and foremost because we do, we do them. We lead by example. Look, I tithe, and I have a Sabbath. Why? Because it's a blessing. Because he's first, and because I choose to put him first. And there's always a blessing in that. And so no matter where you're at today, I just encourage you, look, it doesn't have to be that difficult and that complex because we make it difficult. I can't do that or I can't take a day off. Yes, you can and yes, you can. Put him first. See that he won't bless you. See that he won't show you life abundantly. And this is what Daniel did. He just chose even when times were tough. Look, we're not living in captivity. We're not living under the rule or the pressure of some dictator. You can be free and worship God freely. I would rather do this freely than by choice, wouldn't you? And so love where you are. Choose to worship God. Put him first in everything and everything, everything, everything. Look, don't categorize why I can do it here, but I can't do it here. Everything. Just put him first. Trust him. Trust him. Look, have expectation that you have a great God that loves you and he will answer. I don't care what you're going through. I don't think any of us are standing in alliance then waiting for God to answer. But if that's the reality of where you are, maybe it's not a physical lion then, but it feels like that. Look, you have a great God that will show up. That will turn those lions into beautiful creatures that you can miraculously, miraculously, that's the God that we worship. And so today, I just want to encourage you. Why don't you stand to your feet? Let me pray for you. But if you need prayer, maybe you're having a hard time believing all this. We want to pray for you. Something you're going through, we want to pray for you. Something amazing happening in your life, we want to hear about it. Please tell us. Bring those praises so we can exalt the one that made those things happen. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for this church. Lord, thank you for the book of Daniel. Thank you for your word. It's always good for us. Lord, I just reading of a good friend and one of our missionaries and I love what he said about the word God of all the other books you read you read them this is the only book that reads us and speaks to us and knows us deeply so Lord we're so thankful for your word we're thankful that it is sent to heal us and save us we're thankful that Jesus you made a way for us God thank you that you saved Daniel so many years ago and that you can save us Lord we choose to put you first and Lord, if we're here today and we haven't done that, maybe we haven't made you Lord of our life, maybe we're struggling with an area, God, I'm so thankful that you're graceful. And even a king that's worshiping false gods, you're speaking to him, and you can speak to us. So God, we don't always get it right, but we want to get to a place like Daniel where we're dependent on you, dependent on our relationship with you, on our prayer with you, on our, God, just every principle that we have is 
your word and your heart for our lives. And that's always a blessing for us. And so, Lord, we're thankful for what you're doing. I pray for every family, every kid, God, every church that's in this area. We're thankful that we're your body and you're our Lord. We honor you, we exalt you, and we lift you up in this place. In Jesus' mighty name, everyone said, let's worship together one final time. And Justin will release us in a second. So let's worship together.